when you're not able to like feel like perform in the way that you expect, it causes that shame, internal shame about yourself of like something's wrong with me. And when something's wrong with me, it's better to hide it because you don't want to share it with other people. Welcome to the Erasing Shame podcast. We are erasing shame about mental health by having honest talk for healthy living. We are so glad you can join us. Welcome to this episode of Erasing Shame. This is our special summer series about mental health. And I'm your host, Jeremiah Chuang. Today, we're gonna be talking about sex and sexual shame with marriage and family therapist associate, Hannah Bjorn. Could you tell us your name and uh, what you do in regards to mental health? Sure, Um, my name is Hannah Bjorn. Um, I am an AMFT, meaning that I'm an associate marriage and family therapist. I'm not licensed yet, and so I'm working towards my licensure, trying to gain my hours. Um, I'm a therapist here at Asian American Christian Counseling Services. Um, And yeah, that's pretty much what I do. I'm currently married, um, been married for three years, and I'm expecting a child in October. (laughs) That's wonderful. Yeah. What's some of your background uh, with family or community or ethnicity? Yeah, so I'm a Korean-American. I was born in Korea, but I was raised pretty much my entire life in the States. Mm -hmm. I actually come from Seattle, Washington. That's where I mainly grew up. And I moved here to Los Angeles about three years ago, pretty much pursuing marriage and family therapy. Yeah, I went to Fuller Seminary, got my master's there, graduated last year. And now I'm just doing therapy and trying to gain my hours. Yeah. Thank you. Could you t- uh, speaking about that, could you tell us about your passion for mental health and uh, what you want to do with uh, in the future? Uh, are there any specific topic focuses or any issues that you've dealt with personally? Yeah. So um, the reason why I ended up coming to mental health is kind of an interesting story. Um, I... In Seattle, where I grew up, I was very involved in ministry. And so there I actually thought that I was going to pursue to become like a pastor or a minister. Um, and I did. I worked a lot within the children's ministry, the youth ministry, and the college ministries, a lot of youth and young adults. Um, and there I just realized my part and passion for families. Um, I think kind of where like we find healthy children, healthy youth, youth, right? Healthy upbringing is through healthy families. And so um, that's where my heart started kind of stirring for um, just healthy relationships. And um, it was kind of, I think, a shock to me to find that in the church, there were so many broken relationships, a lot of, you know, divorce, um, just abuse, trauma, um, even suicide that would occur. And there wasn't a lot that I think the church were was educated to do something about it um and that's actually how when i went to fuller um i actually started with an mdiv thinking okay this is what i'm going to pursue and then i heard about the mft degree i thought this is so cool because it's so much more practical um where you can actually work with the families directly work with people directly with issues that they come with probably at church too um but more in a, kind of an educated and a, like a better understanding of it. Um, kind of like that psychology background versus 
just from a spiritual standpoint, although both is important, um, which I think that's what being a Christian counselor kind of brings, brings those two things together. So yeah, that's kind of how I ended up where I am. Very cool. Yeah. What were some, uh, some of the key insights that helped you really empathize with uh, people you ministered or what were some of those turning points in your story? Uh, turning points um, and insights. Well, definitely from my own background and history in my own family. I have a younger brother and um, he's like five, six years younger than me and uh, we both grew up with both my parents um, in Seattle, my mom and my dad. Um, and, you know, I think we came, we come from a very traditional Korean conservative Presbyterian church background. Um, my mom wasn't necessarily Christian um, when we first started going to church, but it was the place to go because, you know, that's where the only place you find community, like the Asian Korean community. Um, and my mom was okay with that because she can only speak Korean. And so that's kind of where we grew up. And that's kind of what formed a lot of my family's kind of morals, you know, kind of like, um, yeah, ethics and just um, how we kind of understand what's like, I guess what you say, like what's normal, like what's good or what's right and what's wrong in a sense. Um, and but with that, something that I think I would always come across is this um, idea of shame. I mean, like, we, I mean, this whole series is all about shame, which I think is really interesting, but that's something that I think I would always come across. Like shame was the kind of the driving thing that caused people to try to do the right thing, right? Um, and a lot of conservative, like Presbyterian backgrounds, especially in the Korean community, that's literally what it's all about. Like that communal shame, like that, um, that feelings of like, if I do this, if I do this and that's wrong, then my family would be put in shame and then you won't be able to see your, be showing your face in like the community and whatnot. And because of that, like I grew up a lot with this idea of like, you need to put on a right face. You need to present yourself in a certain way. Um, especially even more so as a girl, like I was the first born girl in my family and which tends to be a pretty big deal because then um, you have to kind of act like a proper, you know, girl and like, a, and I was a Christian leader when I was growing up there too. So even that sense, like I had to be proper in that way and kind of show that like, you know, I'm a, I come from a good Korean, you know, conservative family, Christian family. Um, so there wasn't a lot of like even if we were having internal struggles or things that we were dealing with, it wasn't something that we could upfront share it, especially within our community, like our church community, which definitely caused a lot of problems. And um, even for me, a lot of internal struggles. And um, that's kind of why I think mental health is such an important thing and erasing that shame from these communities and um, understanding that you know, we all have issues. We all can get help and, and that's okay. And we can talk about it is kind of why, like part of that, I think the insight, kind of the turning point for me, um, 
kind of occurred, I think more gradually, more than like just a one point in my life where I'm like, this is it. Like, I don't need to be like, put the shame on anymore. Cause it's still ingrained in us, right? Like, um, like as an Asian American, if you grew up in that kind of upbringing, it's hard to erase that completely. It's something that you're constantly having to struggle with and trying to tell yourself that it's okay to normalize it and to say that, you know, I know I don't need to be like shameful about it. You know, God took away that shame and through Christ and whatnot. And so, um, it is more of a gradual thing more than like, uh, thing that happened in that one moment and changed my life forever kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. What were some, thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Uh, what were some misunderstandings? Uh, was it this like general impression that you had to, uh, uphold your, your own reputation and your family's reputation as the eldest daughter? Was that sort of a barrier, uh, that, prevented you from sharing about some of the things you struggled with or yeah was there, did you try to bring it up and was it yeah it's um sorry I'm gonna move around a little bit but um so one thing that comes to mind a lot um when I was growing up and trying to find this understanding is actually this topic of sex um especially as an Asian American female like it's so hard to talk about because like well for one to show that you have desires for sex is such a, it's almost like put as a shameful thing, right? I mean, as a male is one thing too, but you know, we almost have in this culture an understanding that males are sexual beings, you know, and all of a sudden women aren't, <laughs> like, which doesn't make sense, like, because women are just as sexual as males. Um, and I grew up with this understanding that, like, I'm not allowed to be that way, right? I'm not allowed to be sexual. And I remember, um, especially throughout college is when that really occurred to me a lot of like, I have these desires. I have this almost want to be loved and be intimate with someone, but I'm almost not allowed to express it. And even if I did, there was kind of like, right. Like almost like a, Whoa, you're talking too much. Like that's too open. That's too much. Um, which in a sense, like, I had took that as kind of like, okay, I'm not allowed to talk about these, these things. And so I have to hide it. Like I have to just carry it and hold on to it, which took a lot of impact later on, even by the time I got married. We have this understanding, like, especially in the, the church context where sex is for marriage, right? So before marriage, all you have to do is abstain. Like we have to abstain from sex. And, um, that's just what you can't do. You can't talk about it, you know, like anything revolving around it, just don't do it. Um, especially from like that conservative background. And, and it's a really tough thing because in the culture that we live in, especially today, that's not really the reality. Like abstaining is one option, but a lot of times, like that's not what actually happens. Um, we come across like a lot more Sure, I guess you can call it acceptance and just having sex before marriage. But when we bring that into like the church context, it's still so much shame that's put into it. If people were to share that they had sex before marriage, it's such a like, whoa, like you did something wrong. Like that's really bad. That's sinful of you. And I mean, yeah, that's definitely maybe a sin that maybe um, people do. But like, it's no different than all the other sins that I feel like 
maybe we come across and we, we have to deal with as well. Um, but something that I struggled with specifically um, because of that misunderstanding of not being able to talk about sex um, really impacted how I um, view myself as a sexual person. Right. And so when I go into marriage, we're like, yes, sex is a great thing. You know, like have sex, all that, you know, all that you want. And all of a sudden you're not able to like all of a sudden there's these things called sexual dysfunctions that occur in a lot of marriages um, where it's it's like you just don't know what to do with because all of a sudden you're allowed to have sex and then now it doesn't work. Right. It's not what you expect it. Sex is so romanticized in our culture of, oh, this is a great thing and it's supposed to look like in this way and like especially in media and whatnot. But the reality is it's not like that. It's it's very like it's hard work. You have to put effort and a lot of work and thought into it. Um and I think a lot of women we struggle to really talk about those things, um, especially as Asian women, um, because we don't even know where to start. Um, and so I think with that is something that I personally definitely have struggled with, but I see a lot of other women struggling with it too, which again, it goes back to like my heart for the church and my heart for families, my heart for marriages. Um, this is such a huge thing that I think the church should be talking about and, you know, opening up those conversations for um, that I think we really lack. Yeah. Have you been able to have more conversations where you can feel less isolated with uh, the sort of shame you've internalized about sex? Yeah. Um, I honestly, the conversation started once I started going to school. Um, once I started going to my MFT program and I had this class specifically on sexuality and um, what that's supposed to look like. And we talked specifically on sexual dysfunctions. And this is something that I was struggling with for a while, but like until that class and I, like in that moment where I was surrounded by my cohort members um, that also was struggling with a lot of similar things. And we were so open and willing to just share with, with each other about it that, I mean, it just, it made me feel so much more accepted. Like I felt so much more normal of like, oh, I'm really not the only one. Like I don't have to be the only one. I don't have to be the one to just hide this constantly and try to deal with on my own. Um, and during that time, I was also receiving therapy. I mean, through the program, they encourage you to go through therapy, and I did it just to try it out, honestly. Um, but it was so great because I stuck with it for pretty much the entire two years um, because I realized all these things that were coming out with it, um, along with, you know, the shame that I had with sex or um, just a lot of my background history of um, just trauma that I've, I've received or trauma that I've had um, that was able to kind of unravel and kind of unpack a little bit during therapy that allowed me to really, you know, I think have those conversations, be more open about it and feel like this isn't something that I need to put shame around. Yeah. 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 I really see how the shame has colored your background and even... Uh, it started to go away as you started to talk about it in college. Uh, but you also mentioned trauma. Could you say more about that? Well, so it's interesting because um, 
like, especially in sexual trauma, we always think of it as like sexual abuse, right? In a lot of ways. And, um, like forced into sex and whatnot. And I don't really feel like that was my experience per se, but I, I say trauma because of my such my lack of understanding of sex during that time and the lack of conversations that they were. And when I was put into that situation, it was very like, I, it was so exposing. Like it felt like trauma because there were so many things that were unexpected. Um, and during that process, yeah, like I was really hurt by it. Like I was, um, in a lot of ways devalued, um, and yeah, sure, there was some um, kind of abuse and just, um, yeah, just struggles that surrounded kind of what happened during that time um, with past relationships. But the, like, and I think the only best way to share, like say it is that it was trauma that impacted my understanding of sex. Um, like... I, I think about more specifically about like as a woman like you have this like understanding that like when you're in a romantic relationship with someone that especially when it comes around sex at least from my understanding was that you had to please the other like you had to please the man um, which is very distorted way of thinking but um, for some reason I had this understanding that if I wanted to be loved, right, if I wanted to be accepted by this person that can give me love and affection and intimacy, then I have to kind of give into all these person's needs, whether I like it or not. Um, which is really sad, but at the same time, I think this is a lot of what women think, a lot of what women feel in a lot of romantic relationships, whether they like it or not, it's kind of like, we just have to feed into their need. Like, as if it's, like, men are these, like, <laughs> like, sexual, like, you know, like, unstop, you know, like, I don't even know what, like, animals, I guess. Like, it just doesn't make sense. Um, but I think we, I think even for me as a woman, like, that, my, with that lack of conversations and understanding of sex and what my value is as a person and how I'm able to also gain the pleasures of what God has gifted in sex, right? Um, to really deform my understanding of sex. And then which goes into when, you know, into marriage of when it's, sex is allowed, all of a sudden it just doesn't seem to be what you expected. Um, yeah, that makes sense. I feel like I'm talking kind of everywhere, but... Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Was your counselor able to help you with that as you're going through the therapy? Or yeah. Or some of the things that he or she did to help you unpack? Well, um, so I know, like, when we think about um, ther therapists, they have obviously, like, special, they specialize in certain areas. There's definitely sex therapists, and I even looked those up, but they're expensive. Like, if you have a hundred that like a couple hundred dollars that are just laying around that you can use per session, I mean, yeah, sure, go for it. Um, but a lot of people can't really afford that, and I couldn't either. Um, so just through my marriage and family therapist, um, just to open up conversation and just to share, like, this is something I'm struggling with. Um, 
was so eye-opening to me. Like, it was one of the few places where I was able to just talk freely about how I felt and, like, the scars that I carried and how it impacts me today and just just feeling more than anything, like, shame. Like, just talking about that shame and feeling so devalued and, um, like, so much of this unworthiness that kind of um, deterred away from my current relationships at that time. Um, and one thing that my therapist and even during my education and through that class that really helped me was that a lot of times with like sexual issues or sex issues, it's, it's really, there's a lot of layers. It's not just one thing, like a lot of misunderstandings. I remember I would share with some friends about like, I'm having this problem. I don't know what to do. And it's not a simple thing of like, oh, maybe you need to change positions or, you know, like maybe you need to like, um, you know, use different things and tools so that it would help you. Um, but it wasn't just that it was so much deeper than that. And ultimately it does come down to this shame, like feeling like when something, especially with sexual dysfunctions, like when you're not able to like feel like perform in the way that you expect, it causes that shame, internal shame about yourself of like, something's wrong with me. And when something's wrong with me, it's better to hide it because you don't want to share it with other people, especially in the cultural context that I come from. And then when that occurs, it goes more into the repeated pain that you, you know, go through over and over again, even throughout marriage. And um, that's kind of where it became, where it became that repetitive cycle. And it wasn't until my therapist really had to like one by one attack, like kind of unravel those small layers at a time to say like, Hey, there's, it's not just one thing, you know, um, there's these internalized things that I've kept for a long time that I was able to share and open up about, um, that allowed me to really find more of the healing and recovery path from it. Yeah. 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 What's something particular that you could offer to Asian Americans about how to unpack uh, the different layers of uh, sex and the shame that's related to it? Because mm -hmm. you were just saying that it really, it's so super connected. It's not just about the, uh, the what happens uh, in the bedroom. Right. But it's about all these layers of past experiences and past perceptions. Yeah. How could you help, uh, help our audience? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I was just mentioning before too, like, I really just feel like it starts with having open conversations just to sit with someone, whether it's a friend, a family member, or someone that you trust, um, or a therapist, which therapists are awesome, um, to just sit with them and be completely open, like, and honest and share that, Hey, this is something I'm struggling with. And, I don't know what to do. Like, I don't know where to start. I don't know where to be um, in all of it. Like, just to have an open conversation, just to say that, hey, this is what I'm struggling with. This is where I'm at. I feel I can do so much, not only to the person that's sharing it, um, because, yes, it's a very vulnerable place, and it's a place where you can feel like people are going to judge you, people are going to, you know, look at you differently or whatever, 
may happen. But once you're able to share something like that, there's something within you that like opens up. And when someone that does open up share, the other receiving end that the the other end that is receiving it is going through something similar to it. It starts like a ripple effect, right? Like you start sharing about it, then another person will receive it and be like, man, I'm going through that same thing and start sharing to somebody else about it. You can create essentially like a culture, right? A community that says like, you know what? You're right. Like we shouldn't be shameful about this. This is something that happens. And yes, it sucks, but there's a lot of layers that are coming from it. And a lot of times in the end, it comes from this place of feeling not good enough, feeling unworthy, feeling devalued, which, um, yeah, like one thing that I came through the Christian church community is the fact that I'm not those things, right? God himself says that I'm not, and I'm like more valued than ever, that I am so worthy to the point that Christ died for me on the cross. Like there's so much in that, but can we bring those two things together, right? Even in the midst of having problems or misunderstandings or trauma with sex, like, can you still feel like God still values you in those places? And I think that starts by having those conversations. Yeah. Just sharing. Thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You're very uh, honest with yourself and, uh, I, I can see the how that process over the years of trying to unpack all this through, through therapy and through relationships and through your church has really helped uh, helped us create honest talk for healthy living. Yeah, no, for sure. I'm glad I could be a part of it. Appreciate the time for me to share. Yeah. Thanks, Hannah. That was a really open and vulnerable emotional conversation. Thank you for sharing about sexual shame and your journey through it. And this concludes our episode from Racing Shame series about mental health. Please be sure to follow us on Facebook, YouTube, and iTunes. And we also have a website at erasingshame.com. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Erasing Shame about mental health. Visit our website for all of our episodes at erasingshame.com. Please subscribe on iTunes or YouTube and like us on Facebook.